Welcome to the Decades of Strength podcast. We are Kim, Marcy, and Katie. We are three women on one mission. We are obsessed with empowering women to gain confidence, build strength, and ditch feelings of unworthiness. So grab your chair, come sit at our table, and let's talk. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Decades of Strength podcast. With me, as usual, I have the lovely Kim Schlag, Katie Crocus, and I am so excited because we have a special guest, someone who is near and dear to my heart, a good friend of mine for quite a while now. And I got to say, well, let me introduce you first, Jamie Morocco, the lovely Jamie Morocco, who is a fitness coach, fat loss coach. I'll let you kind of do an intro for yourself as well. But when you approached me about being a guest on the podcast, which I was so excited about, I was thinking to myself and I was like, you know what? We have Jamie to thank for our group being together because you are how I met Katie. So you had posted something about Katie on your stories. And it was like, who is this Katie Crocus woman? <laughs> so I went over to her page and checked her out and was just immediately impressed by everything that she had going on. Reached out to you, Katie, probably what, gosh, two years ago now, year and a half at least. Yeah, probably because I, I had been stalking you, Marcy, for about two years before you finally reached <laughs> out to me, I think. So yes, Jamie, thank you for making this all come together. And yeah. here we are. Here we are, right? Um, so yeah, before we get into the topic, Jamie, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit more about you, your brand, your coaching, all of that? Totally. And thank you. And it's so nice to be here. And thank you ladies for having me. Um, I grew up overweight, eating unhealthy, just feeling really uncomfortable in my body. And then I decided to make a change as a young adult. And over the course of, you know, a year or so, I lost over 50 pounds and I really changed the trajectory of my life by focusing on my health and fitness. And that felt really good. Um, and then I decided that I wanted to make that, you know, my life's work. So, you know, years went by, I went back to school. I worked as a personal trainer at a studio, and then I built an online, um, fitness and, and health business for women. And, um, now what, what we do is we help women reach, I call it their most aligned body, uh, using a blend of science mindset and, uh, and energetics and belief systems. I'm really interested in not just helping women like reach their goal, but really teach them how to feel empowered in keeping their goal for the rest of their life. That's really what I'm, that's a little bit about me and what I do. I love that. So wonderful. And I really appreciate how you frame it as in terms of body alignment and what that means for each individual woman, because it is very different. And that is really the topic of this episode is talking about what that is, what it looks like for each person, for you as a listener, and really to kind of allow yourself to let go of what other people are telling you, you should be doing how you should be feeling, right? Because I know that the waters can get very murky out there and we can really let go of our truth because other people are, are saying something. Um, and it doesn't align with what we want. So that is what we are going to get into, you know, kind of specifically talking a little bit more about this phrase diet culture. So what is diet culture? What's anti-diet culture? I think that can be very confusing as well. To be honest with you, we were talking about it before the episode started. It's like, I feel like I don't even know what diet culture is. And, you know, here I am a fitness and fat loss coach. So 
let's dive into that. And, you know, each of us can kind of define what that looks like for you. James, yeah. you're, the, you're the special guest. Why don't we kick it off with you? Sure. So the way that I would define diet culture, and I think the interesting thing about it, and you brought up such a good point, Marcy, is that like, everybody's going to define it differently based off of their life experience, right? The way that I think about diet culture is I think back to like the nineties, you know, and late eighties, early nineties, two thousands, like when I was growing up and coming of age. And I remember just this push of like weight loss and fat loss. And I remember my dad with his slim fat shakes and like just this constant desire to, to lose weight and do it as quickly as possible and by any means necessary. And I think that that's one element of it. I think the other element of it is obviously like the immense pressure that is and was put on women, right? To be a certain way. Like when I was growing up, it was all about like the Kate Moss and how skinny can you be? At least that was my experience, right? So there was this immense pressure and Things have changed since then. Thank, thank goodness. But I still think that there's pressure on women, right, to, from a societal perspective, right, to be and and look a, a certain way. Um, so that's kind of my lens, right? It's this idea of like lose weight as fast as you can by any means necessary, and also that other element of as a woman, like society says, like this is what the ideal woman's body looks like. So that's how I think about diet culture. Oh, that's so good. And I just got flashbacks of drinking Slim Fast when I, <laughs> my, my high school boyfriend and I used to drink Slim Fast shakes together. Uh, more so, I think we thought that they like actually had protein in them for some reason. Maybe they have a little bit. We were trying to put on muscle at that time, not necessarily try to like lose a lot of weight, but oh yes, memories for sure. And I think you nailed it, Jamie. It really was at that time all about the the weight loss. And now we're talking more about weight loss versus actual fat loss, how to do it in a healthy and sustainable way. Not just, you know, you're on some crazy diet, which we did a episode a couple of months ago about all the crazy diets that we have tried. And it's like, looking back, oh my gosh, I can't believe that was even a thing. And I think there are diets out there today that are still just quick fixes. How can you get the weight off as fast as possible? Um, with no talk about your overall health, how you feel in your body, your ability to, as you always talk about, hold that result. And that is really what it's all about because you can lose the weight. And, and I wrote a post about this the other day. If you have not become, it's okay, Kim. I am so sorry, guys. I'm the only one home and my dog has decided that no person can walk by uh, unbarked at. Anti, we're anti diet culture. We're anti perfectionists around. Here, so it's right. fine. It's real life. Um, oh my God. I was like, "Where's Enzo?" What? Less <laughs> at my parents' house. Um, but where was I going with that? Uh, I think Marcy, we were just sort of talking about our our unique definitions of diet culture, and I agree oh, so right. wholeheartedly, Jamie, with what you said. And to that, I would also add that there is this promise that um, I think diet culture, this this like false bill of, of health that diet culture promises you that life will be better when you are smaller, thinner, whatever your goal number or goal weight is, life will somehow automatically improve when you get there. And there is certainly no inclusion of like cleaning up your emotional house in the process. I feel like diet culture is completely focused around the physical 
yet um, it doesn't include, it's not, it's not holistic in its approach because there are mm -hmm. certainly things that diet culture, um, I feel like has impacted me in a way that's made me more aware of things. And I appreciate that. But um, it's to me, the biggest flaw is it makes a promise that life is better once you're, once you're smaller. And that is just not the case in my experience. Mm -hmm. and, and really quick, I want, I did remember what I was trying to say. Um, and I want to circle back to that just really fast about diet culture does not teach you how to become the person who not only loses the weight, but is able to sustain it for the rest of your life. So you have to ask like, who am I becoming in this person or in this process? And I don't know if you're familiar, Jamie or anyone else. Um, there's this concept of be, do, have. So a lot of times we get it mixed up where it's like, we got to do the things to be the person to have the end result. And it's like, well, no, you have to first become that person. And you wrote a really good post about that today, Jamie, about like, who do like, what's the belief system that I need to let go of, of who I am, what I am capable of so that I can start taking action towards becoming that person. Um, and then holding that result as, um, at the end. So you want to speak to that just a little bit more, because I think it really is a powerful message. Yeah, totally. So the best way that I can mirror this is there's this concept that I call the lottery effect. And essentially 70% of people who win the lottery go broke, which is like a crazy number. And these people will win like tens of millions of dollars, sometimes more. And it's like, well, why does that happen? And if we actually unpack that a little bit from like a mindset perspective, if you can imagine like identifying yourself as ha having a certain level of money or wealth, and then you instantaneously overnight have access to way more, right? There hasn't been enough time for you to step into that identity, right? You still identify, you still have the habits of somebody who is at a different level of wealth. And then what happens is a lot of people tend to self-sabotage because they haven't yet identified, right? As that person, this happens with weight loss a lot of the time. If you lose 20 pounds, but in your mind, you're still unhealthy, emotional, an emotional eater, you'll never have con control over food, food controls you. If those are the thoughts that are still playing in your mind, you might have done the physical work, but, the, the, but nothing has been filled up inside the shell to actually sustain that over time, which is why so much of what I teach, I'm like, like, really 5% of this process is nutrition and workouts. Like 95% of it is how are you talking to yourself? What are you making it mean when you have a slip up? What are you making it mean when you skip a workout, right? Like we go into these cycles of guilt and shame. And that's the thing that keeps us stuck more than one skip workout ever. Well, absolutely. Kim, you're nodding your head over there. Let's throw it to you. When I was listening to Jamie talk there. It made me think of like the biggest loser, which I think is such a, is an epitome of diet culture, right? That's part of like what our culture produced as we've been steeped in diet culture. And I think about, you think about like, wow, how did like every one of those people gain so much weight back? And it's because of exactly what Jamie, at least a piece of it is what she's talking about. They didn't have an opportunity to focus on who they were as a person as they were making this change, it all happened so fast and in such an extreme way that they did not make those internal shifts at the same time they made these external shifts. And so then when they're put back in their regular life and they're still the same person, they go back to those habits and beliefs and they just become then size-wise physically who they were before as well. And it's so important to make that internal change. You know, I'm a person, I don't know when this like 
cluster of um, beliefs and practices came into being that produced diet culture as it is today. I can tell you as a woman of 51, I have lived as, as a, a part of diet culture my entire life. I have such vivid memories in, you know, being in the, a child of the seventies, the eighties, the nineties, it's been there my whole life, which means pretty much anybody younger than me has experienced that as well. I think that we're, we're seeing a shift now as we're starting to call it out and hopefully our children and their, our children's children will not be that way. Um, but I, as a woman, you know, grew up constantly thinking about my weight and how can I be smaller? And the definition I use of diet culture is this idea that thin is the best thing. It is the goal. It is above, you know, even being healthy. It is above life's experiences. We need to be thin. That's what diet culture is to me. And if we get all those other things, great, but thin, that's where it's at. And I was for sure that person. And I would have never, I didn't, I obviously didn't even know what that word was, but wow, did I miss out on a lot of things, you know, chasing thinness. And I've shared these experiences in the past about things I've done that I look back and I'm like, what was I even thinking? Why did I do that? And I'm, I know many women my age are identify with that idea that we've missed out on a lot and spent so much of our mental energy on constantly looking to be thin when by most people's standards, we already were. Mm-hmm. That's so true. Yeah. I know. I remember, gosh, cause I was, I was not, I was never thin growing up, but I was not overweight, but I remember when I was probably in fourth grade, something started to shift. I did notice that I was gaining a little bit of weight and no one called me out on it. No one made me or made fun of me. My parents didn't say anything, nothing like that. So I don't even know where I got it in my head that somehow this was wrong. Maybe it was because a lot of my friends were like, <laughs> the, the joke that I use is like, I was kind of maturing faster than a lot of my friends. Like I was getting taller all of that. And then somehow I stopped growing up and I started growing out and everybody else started growing up and they were just becoming like very thin, you know, and, and they could eat whatever they wanted and all that. And I was over here eating uh, bonbons and <laughs> what were those things? Uh, those like pizza bite stuff. That was like my Friday night routine. I'm like, Oh, no wonder why I'm <laughs> gaining weight. Uh, but it was very frustrating for me, you know, like I wanted to, I think I just wanted to look like them not necessarily was anybody else telling me that I was bad or I was wrong. However, you know, there were comments from my mother about her weight that she would kind of like, I guess, pass on to me. So one of the things, bless her heart, love you, mom, she's not listening, but uh, a moment on your lips forever on your hips. She would say that all the time. It's interesting. It's like, I remember her saying that, but never did I really like fully take it to heart? I don't think about any of that stuff now, but I did ask her for, you know, help or advice on how to lose weight. And it's like, let's go on the cabbage soup diet. Like you need to eat low fat. You need to cut out sugar. And so I tried all of these things. Uh, and yeah, it backfired big time. And then I went on Weight Watchers and I actually lost the weight, which is funny because Weight Watchers definitely has its flaws, but it's inherently macro tracking mm-hmm. uh, with just some really awful rules. So yeah, I think we all have had our, our own experiences. Katie, what has yours been in terms of like things you've tried or the, the beliefs that were put upon you? 
I think Marcy, much like you, I didn't have any pressure from my family really growing up to stay a certain size, but I was always looking around for me. I've mentioned this before. It was like YM magazine or like Cosmo girl. And by the way, you should never be getting your health and fitness and wellness advice from things like that. And, but in that eight, and you know, in the eighties and the early nineties, like that's what it was. Like I would save my money and pour over these magazines and, and think this is the life, like this is what will make me happy. Like currently I'm self-conscious and I'm anxious and I don't look as pretty as my friends, but if I could like pull off those cute shorts and that, you know, half top, then my life would be everything it needs to be. And, and so I think it's just the culture of, of all of what's, of what you surround yourself with that impacts you. And today, in t- today's day and age, it's, you know, Instagram and it's TikTok. It is literally everywhere. I mean, you can't escape it. It's no longer just like the magazines at the checkout counter, right? Like you cannot turn around without getting an opinion, getting a comment. Um, your weight goes up, you get a comment. Your weight goes down, you get a comment. And Jamie, back to your point, how do you interpret that? Like, what does that mean for you? So, I mean, I guess, Jamie, I would ask you, how do you approach this with this onslaught, like this fire hose of feedback on and from diet culture, how do you approach that with your clients? How do they manage it? I, I've started doing this like within the last several months, but when a client tells me her goal, I ask her, where did that come from? And why is that important to you? And you'll be so surprised at how sometimes our goals are not even ours. It's a number she says because of a doctor like 10 years ago or something an ex-boyfriend said or what her friend weighed when she was in high school. So I think that first and foremost, like my, like my, like here's the thing, social media is not going away. And my father-in-law works for uh, Meta, AKA Facebook now. And he, and the things that they're doing are like insane. Like we're only becoming in a more connected and stimulated world. We can't run from people's opinions and we cannot run from everybody else, everything else that everybody is doing. The antidote to that, in my opinion, is we tune in and we say, does this feel right for me truly? Why is this number important to me right now? And we really get deep and anchor in on the why, because here's the thing, like if you want to reach a goal, but you don't ask yourself, is that even mine? And it maybe it came from something that a doctor said, or you saw on a BMI chart 10 years ago, but it's not inherently yours. You will find a way to self-sabotage it later, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Almost that of like, well, well, F that I didn't want to like be conformed to that identity uh, standard anyways, right? Like there will be a part of you that will self-sabotage because of it. So I think that the antidote is really to like sit with yourself and be like, is this goal mine right now? And why is it important? And not just like the why, because I want to be this size and I want to feel good on the beach. Like, I think those things are great, but like dig deeper because it means something more to you than the surface level stuff. I love that you coach on that because I think most people are not really able to dig that deep without the support of somebody that sort of helped them along that road. I know for me personally, it took having a coach to really help me dig deep and find out for me what my goals actually truly were and, and step away from what other people were telling me my goals ought to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's that whole extrinsic versus intrinsic motivation. And a lot of times we come to any goal with the more, et- excuse me, extrinsic motivation. So that's basically the surface level. I want to fit better in my clothes. I want to be a certain weight. I want to 
uh, you know, like feel, feel like I fit in with the crowd, you know, whatever it is. It's just like, the, the, yeah, the, the surface level stuff, not really the deeper why. And if you don't cultivate that deeper sense of why, then like Jamie said, you are going to be self-sabotaging. And, you know, I'm like thinking back to when I was oh, 12 or 13 and you guys will remember this place, wet seal, oh, <laughs> uh, that's Gosh, yeah. right. Blast from the past. Uh, and I just remember like vivid memories of being in the dressing room of wet seal with my mom and barely being able to fit into the largest size that they had, like for shorts, pants, whatever, and just feeling so bad about myself. And, you know, like, again, I don't know why that was because no one was making me feel like there was something wrong with me, but it was that just like, I do not feel good in this body. And Jamie, that's what I want to talk about because it is something that you share a lot in your content. I'm sure with your clients as well as like what body alignment feels for, or feels like for you. And then it can be different for everybody. So maybe there are some people who they don't want a lot of muscle, you know, they want to be a little bit leaner. There are some women who they feel really good in a, a larger body. Right. And there really is no, no one right way. Um, it has to be what is your truth? And I know for me, like, I never really wanted to be skinny. I wanted to look like one of the women on the covers of the fitness magazines. Like I wanted to be lean, but also muscular, like for me. And and to this day, that is still my truth. And I feel as though with all this talk of diet culture and a lot of talk too, uh, which, you know, is wonderful in one context about like self-love body acceptance, that kind of thing. I almost feel like my content, my message has been a bit watered down because I feel bad for, for talking about that. Like, I feel like there's a lot of shame going on right now. You shouldn't be talking about fat loss and people wanting to change their body, even from people who are like very good friends of mine in this space. And so it's almost like, Oh, well, I don't want to offend her. Like maybe she's not going to be friends with me anymore, but it's like, you know, like now I feel like my voice is stifled because the people who I work with, they come to me like wanting to make changes to their physical appearance and it's got to come from a good place, but I don't think that there is anything wrong with that. Yeah, a hundred percent. That kind of reminds me too, like, as you were talking through that, like, I remember like when I was starting my fitness business and I was getting ideas on Pinterest and stuff, I would see these like memes and quotes, like strong is the new skinny or like real women have curves. And while I understand, you know, that there are good undertones to that, trying to mean that like, oh, like there are different shapes and sizes that mean different things. I still feel like those undertones are dictating like how a woman should be right? Mm -hmm. Like you mean to tell me that a woman who doesn't have curves is not a real woman? Like, no, you mean to tell me that strong and skinny are trends? Like, no, like I think, and I've shared your same sentiment, Marcy, like when I was finding my voice in the health and fitness industry, I was worried. I was like, am I going to get called out for this? And I really realized that as leaders, which all of us are, because we've chosen, right, this path of, of leading other women through a transformation, we become a reflection point for everybody and their beliefs, right? And some people are gonna voice that and some people aren't, they're just not gonna like it, but there's gonna be a whole bunch of women that love it and need it. And the way that I have really 
coached myself, you know, through this is like, what matters more to me is the women who actually need to hear my message. Because if I water it down, am I really living my truth? No. And if I'm not living my truth, I'm not being the leader that I need to be for people. It's really hard though, because comments can sting. You know, I don't know that they ever just don't sting when people take what you say in a wrong way. And, you know, anybody can say anything on the internet because no one's really going to get in trouble and people can hide and things like that. But then you think about also people who are at the top of their game in any industry, they have equal amounts of love as they do, you know, negativity. And it's just going to happen because when you step out and you say things, right? You become that reflection point for people. They're bringing their belief systems, right? So it's just an, and I kind of took that on a little bit of a tangent, but I get really passionate about this whole idea of like the anti-diet culture movement, because I feel like, just like you said, Marcy, it almost makes those of us who do want to help women physically, you know, and mentally transform, it makes us feel like, oh no, if I say that, am I going to hurt somebody's feelings? Right. And I I think that, again, it always comes down to like, how do we continue to speak our truth and help the women that we coach tune in and ask themselves the same thing? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know for me, I still to this day, even though I have gotten past the point, I mean, I'll be honest, there are still times when it comes up, but past the point of, oh, my worth is connected to how my body looks. But I will be honest. I like pursuing physique change, like quote unquote bodybuilding, even though I'm not a bodybuilder is enjoyable to me. I was in the gym last night and I was like, oh, this just feels so good. You know, just like moving my body in this way, like connecting to my muscle, the, I think that like, it's, it's an art form really like, you know, sculpting your body. Like that is fun for me. And it probably will be for a very long time. I can't see the day when it's not. Um, but it's not this thing like, oh, I have to, to change, to be worthy or anything like that. It's just, this is what is enjoyable for me. You know, to this day, I still track macros. Like I'm very diligent with all of that stuff. And I often shy away from sharing that in my stories, in my content, or like showing that part of me, because I'm a little bit afraid that people are going to call me out and be like, oh, you're disordered or whatever. It's like, no, like I just enjoy this, you know, like, so I think that can be really challenging as, you know, let's say like quote unquote influencers to, to, yeah, you know, be able to just like let those people's comments, which like you said, Jamie is a reflection. It's mirroring back to, to them, like their internal state, right. Where they are in their journey. Um, but it can be challenging to just like, let that go. Yeah. And it's interesting how somebody could take that as disordered. Right. And I like, if you just mirror it, like almost in the financial realm. So is somebody who tracks their money, is that disordered? You know, maybe it is for some people, but who are we to say that it is for others? Right. So again, if we become that reflection point, like they have, those people have that set of beliefs that if you track your macros, it's disordered really. Right. And then we ask ourselves, is it disordered for me? Well, no, that doesn't feel like my truth. Okay. You know, but yeah, I get it. It's hard. It's easier said than done for sure. For sure. And so I want to make a little bit of a switch in the conversation and talk about actually like your, your belief, not your beliefs, but your own personal goals shifting a little bit. And Kim, I'm going to throw this to you because we had a conversation, I don't know, a couple of months ago, because, you know, you had gained weight after your illness and you wanted to get it off. Right. So you hired 
my dreamboat, Mike Vacanti, <laughs> to help you. <laughs> Sorry, I love Mike Vacanti. Um, <laughs> and, and you know, you you started to lose weight. You were feeling good, but at one point, you were kind of like, you know what? Like, I just I'm done with this. I don't really care about pursuing that as much as maybe I did. So, can you speak to that about how at one point maybe you did want to? pursue more aesthetic goals and how that shifted for you? Yeah. Um, I'm still such a work in progress with this uh, for as long as I can remember. Like I said, I was a teenage girl thinking like I should lose five pounds and I, you know, I pursued that all through my twenties and then in my thirties and, you know, listeners who've been here for a while know that I eventually struggled with obesity after having three children. And it, that was a really hard thing for me. And it wasn't until my early forties that I turned that all around. And then I really got into the idea of bodybuilding and powerlifting. And, and um, it was just a big part of my identity. When I got sick last year with COVID and pneumonia, and I wasn't able to move and I was in bed for months. Um, and by the, you know, the time I started coming out of it in January, like I would look in the mirror and I'm like, I cannot believe I'm here. Like, I cannot believe I have lost so much strength and so much muscle and I'm 20 some plus pounds up. It was, it was a stunning place for me to be. I just never anticipated that happening because I really had made so many shifts, both internally and externally behavior wise. Like the person I was, was not a person who was ever going to gain 20 pounds. Um, you know, obviously illness changes, changes all of that. And that was a really hard time for me to actually have to lose that much weight. It felt very daunting. I hired Mike and Jordan work. Jordan did my training. Mike, um, Jordan side did my training. Mike did my nutrition. Um, you know, I got that weight off by August, but as I was kind of rounding and what I finally said is my only goal was to be able to fit back in my clothes. Like I have a lot of, I built up a very nice wardrobe and I was like, I'm not replacing this. I'm just not doing it. And I finally did fit back into my clothes in August. I say, finally, that's quite a fast period of time to lose 20 pounds, but I did, I fit back in my clothes in August. And I, I very publicly was like, you know, I feel really just kind of done with all of this. I am so not interested. I'm bored with the idea of changing my body. Um, you know, at, towards the end of all of this, I had this breast cancer scare and I just felt very much like, wow, I, I have so many more important things like my health, the fact that like I can speak because I lost my voice last year, all of these things. And I was just like, I don't think that I will ever pursue intentional weight loss or muscle building again, because I just feel burnt out on it. And it just feels so low down on my list of priorities. Fast forward. What is it? What is it now? It's December. Well, I talked to you ladies a couple of weeks ago and I was like, I'm kind of like, I'm kind of feeling interested in it again. And then I was like, I just said, I don't want to do it. But I very also, and you ladies, I said this, I'm like, guys, I reserve the right to change my mind. And I'm so glad I said that. And I'm not sure yet. I sometimes like, I thought about going back into deficit and I've kind of started doing it a little bit, but I don't know. My point is, it's fantastic that we as women get to choose. And I will say, I don't feel pressure to choose one side or the other. I feel like if I never want to look, I'm always going to train because it's, it's important for my health. But if I don't feel pressure to like, look like I did even a year ago, like I don't feel that pressure, but I kind of want to, and then I kind of don't really want to do that work. So I don't know what I'm going to do is my point, but I will say, I do feel removed from this pressure, um, that I put on myself from living in diet culture for so long. Like I don't feel like, and I don't think everybody's there guys. I don't think, I think most people wouldn't be able to identify with me saying like, 
I don't, I'm not sure if I'm going to do it or if, or if I'm not, but if I do it, it's not going to be because I worry that the rest of the world is going to look at me and be like, what do you look like on the beach? You know, like, that's not why, I, why I want to do it. I just really liked how I looked. I felt good how I looked and I wish I could magic my way back to never having gotten COVID pneumonia, but I can't. Um, so maybe I'll pursue it and maybe I won't. I don't know. Well, I, I just, I love that where it can be, it doesn't have to look one certain way. And as you said, you can reserve the right to change your mind at any time. I think that's very powerful. And, you know, I know for myself, I'm kind of in the same place where you are too, Kim. And I want to talk about this because you used a very powerful word and that is identity. And I know for me, I have long identified as someone who lifts, as someone who is, you know, quote unquote, like in shape or looks a certain way. And I, I did a lot of things back in the day to make myself look that way that really dug myself into a hole when it comes to my hormonal health, my, you know, just internal health in general, that to this day, I'm still digging myself out of. I was on a, a call yesterday with a woman, um, with, you know, my, the, my coach Vince nutrition dynamic, his company. And I was talking to her and she was like, cause I'm doing some work with them now. Well, maybe you need a new coach. Like maybe you need a new set of eyes. And I was like, well, cause I'm still working on some, you know, hormonal issues. I was like, if that means putting on 20 pounds, like, no, I don't want to do it right now. And um, that is still a little bit scary to me it, because that was, or has been my identity for so long that the thought of like, okay, how am I going to feel if I have to do that is yeah, it's a challenge. It's a huge mental talent because I did have to gain almost 20 pounds a couple of years ago. I've shared that story many times and I did not feel good in my body. It wasn't like my life did not change. I think in many ways it improved, uh, but I still did not feel good. And so when I was able to, I lost that weight again. And it's like, okay, this is the place where I feel the most comfortable. Um, but that being said, it did really force me because I had to take time off from the gym. I couldn't go lift. I had to, you know, step back and I've never had a serious injury or like Kim, you were saying a really serious illness, but even just those couple of months where I wasn't able to do the things that were a part of my identity was like, okay, you really have to do more of the internal work because what if something happens and this can't be your lifestyle anymore. Like you have to be okay with that and with your body changing. Cause like, let's be honest, our bodies are going to change as we get older, you know, like it may, it may look different. So really just becoming or developing a sense of identity that is more solid and not just based on your external appearance. And Katie, I'm going to throw it to you because you've had to do something similar, right? Where right. we're experiencing gut health issues and, and all those things based yes. on, you know, and what I you did exactly what you didn't want to do, which is gain 20 pounds. And I did it faster than my identity wanted me to. Right. So I thought that I was the person who showed up as very lean, very cut, I would, I, I don't know how many comments I got about like the vein in my bicep. I mean, that was, people wanted to talk about that more than anything else with me. And I knew that when I put on weight and I changed, I would lose a lot of followers. Mm -hmm. I would lose a lot of engagement because I was no longer showing up as this identity that I frankly put a lot of stock into unknowingly 
because there was just so much positive feedback and encouragement around it. And I think what's interesting is that we're starting to see the pendulum swing a little bit on Instagram, at least, um, at least in my feed, I'm seeing it. Uh, I mean, the person who walked me through my reverse a number of years ago is now fully a part of the health at any size movement. And I love her and I still follow her. And I agree with a lot of the things she says. And I, and I want to keep that message in my feed because that's important to me. But sometimes I feel like it gets taken to a place that I'm not comfortable going. And I don't know if I should add the word yet on there or not. Like it's, it's to, it's to, it's, you know, remains to be seen because if there's one thing I've realized, it's that I have changed mentally. Um, I did, I, I am currently now in a larger body than I was, and it doesn't always feel good. Sometimes there's a disconnect. Most of the time it's amazing, but some of the time um, I, I kind of beat myself up because I think I, I'd love to like be shredded again, but I know that that is not the best definition of health and intrinsically what I want my goals to be. Um, so I would love to know for all of you ladies and Jamie, I'll start with you. When you have somebody whose goal is maybe to be shredded or stay shredded, but you can see that that may not be the best thing for them either because of mental health or gut health or whatever, how do you help them do you help them try to shift alignment or do you just follow whatever they, you know, whatever direction they want to go? That's a great question. I usually refer out for that mm. um, because I don't, and I'm very like vocal about this. I don't do like bikini prep or anything like, or like really taking somebody to super shredded levels. Like there are certain things that, um, you know, I just, I usually refer them out and, you know, I, I will talk to them and just dig deep and make sure that like, this is their goal and get deep on their why. Um, but that's, you know, there are, I, I would say that most of the clients that we call in and are attracted to, you know, my message are almost like they've tried everything and nothing has really worked for them. And they, they're very new to like macro tracking and being in, in the weight room and stuff like that. So I would, I would refer out in that scenario. Mm. Sure. Just being honest. <laughs> yeah. I'm the same way. People, people don't come to me looking to get shredded. That's not my people. People come to me because they're, they're tired of yo-yo dieting. They want to feel good. They want to look good in their clothes. They want to feel confident in their body and they, they don't want to, you know, keep obsessing about food. Nobody's coming to me to be like, Hey, I want to, um, I want, I want to see a vein in my bicep. <laughs> That's just not the people I attract. I also wonder too, and sorry to interrupt Kim, but you bring up a really interesting point. This just popped in my head. I had had very similar experiences to you ladies where I went like, like to I achieved extreme levels of thinness. Like I'm five, four and I was in like the hundred, like one, zero, one at one point. And I'm, you know, I'm, it was very, very, I was borderline. Like this has gone way too far. And I almost wonder if, because I was so mean and I have that now association with like, okay, like cannot compute that was not healthy for me. I, I think that maybe there's a reason also why I don't tend to attract those people or do, write programs like that, because I've had, I've been everywhere and anywhere with my weight and similar to you, Marcy and, and, and Katie for, for sharing, when you went on a certain health journey and you lost the weight, I ended up losing my period for like a decade. Mm -hmm. um, I had to get my hormones back. I gained the 20 pounds and, and had to go through that whole experience. And, you know, I think extreme levels of leanness to me, knowing what I know and what it can do to some women's bodies. I almost wonder if there's just a part of me that's like, nope, like we, I don't want to go there. Right. So. Mm -hmm. 
I, yeah, I wouldn't do it way. over again. I, I learned a lot and I'm glad totally. I have that knowledge now. And I feel grateful for it because it makes it a lot easier to sit um, physically in a place that I haven't been for a long time, knowing that I've got my wits about me. Um, I'm enjoying life. I can be spontaneous again. I, I, I can keep my cool in, in all situations. I can, you know, go on the road for a two-day cheerleading competition like I did this weekend and like not completely go bananas. So, I mean, it's, I, it really is amazing to have um, full hold on the throttle of my life. And I feel like I did not have that when I was exceptionally lean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree. I mean, the last time that I was in a fat loss phase was two years ago is when I ended mine. And loved how I look, you know, yeah, I put the before and after transformation picture on Instagram and, you know, you get thousands of likes and like all these amazing comments and it it feels good. Um, I, I liked being in that body. Uh, I will not lie. I I prefer to be a little bit like leaner, but muscular, even though I had so little muscle on me, it was crazy. I'm like all this work I've done over the years, you get lean and realize, wow, uh, you got some work to do, but yeah, my quality of life was in the tank. I mean, I felt like I was walking through mud. I had horrible brain fog. It was, it was miserable. It really was. So going back to that, you know, sometimes I'm like, Oh, I want to try again, just to like, see what, like, what have I achieved? What have I built in these two years? Like since, cause I probably gained gosh, like 12 pounds at this point. Um, since that time, like, is there more muscle under there? Lord, I hope so. And yeah, there are times I'm like, okay, let's diet a little bit to reveal it. And then I'm like, eh, I have so much other stuff going on. Like my purpose is so much greater than that, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah, it's a really, really interesting conversation. Um, is there anything Oh, Kim, you're going to say? Yeah, something? I have a question. I think it's important for us to discuss and for people to consider, which is how can a person intentionally pursue weight loss? Well, at the same time, ditching diet culture, like how do you do both of those things at the same time? And I think it can absolutely be done. So I'd love to have some chat around that. Jamie, what are your thoughts? Yeah. Again, I'm going to sound like such a broken record here, but I I really think it's about um, tuning in and and asking yourself what things resonate with you and, and what doesn't, right? So as you're skimming through social media, are the people that you're following in the health and fitness industry, do you resonate with their message? And if you don't, why are you following them? (laughs) You know, like get the, like surround yourself with, um, different kind of, uh, environmental, you know, triggers that are going to actually support your beliefs. Like if you see, you know, um, a coach that you're following and maybe you don't resonate and you think they're taking it too much to the extreme with, you know, diet culture or, you know, anti-diet culture, and it doesn't resonate with you, then, you know, maybe don't follow them. So surround your world with um, the stimulus that is actually going to resonate with you and make you feel good. And I also think, you know, the other thing to that is like, just giving yourself permission to lose weight is so huge because I will get on the phone with women and they'll fill out my application. And then I'm like, okay, I'm looking at your goals. Like, why is this important to you? And they're like, I just want to feel healthy. Like they're almost afraid. I know we talked about surface level wise, but I think that those can be really important still. And I'm like, I'm like, all right, I'm gonna be honest. Nobody fills out my application just wanting to be healthy. So like, what does this mean? Like, and we get to this point where they're like, 
I just want to like look good and feel good in my body. And like, it's important to me because of this and that. So it's almost like women are so afraid to actually admit that there's an aesthetic goal. So I think a really big part of this, how can we lose weight and also ditch diet culture is give yourself permission to go after the goals that feel aligned for you, knowing that everybody's going to have an opinion about it and that's okay. You don't have to accept those opinions as your truth. That's so true. And, you know, going back to what I was sharing previously about me putting up like a before and after picture of when I was at my heaviest for the first time in years to when I was at my leanest and the majority of the comments were very positive, like, Oh, great job. That's amazing. So inspiring, you know, fire emojis, wonderful. But then of course you get the the comments too. It's like, look better on the left. Like everybody has their opinion and everybody is going to have their opinion on your body and what it should look like what is appealing to them, but it still is so important to really connect to your truth and what feels good, but while doing it in a healthy and sustainable way. So to answer your question, Kim, it's interesting. Like before we recorded, I was like, I don't even know really what diet culture is. I think because I'm so far removed from that type of content right now, like I do not follow accounts. I really don't look at my explore feed, which I think can, you know, things about diet culture could probably come up within that. So a lot of the people I'm following are the ones who are doing things in a healthy and sustainable way. And one of my first mentors, business mentors, Jill Coleman, one of the suggestions that she has for content creation is follow people who you don't agree with so that you have something to, you know, I guess, um, refute And I just, I don't do it. Like, so I don't know, aside from, you know, Noom and some things like, I don't really understand or know what's going on out there in the diet culture world. So for me, it's just all about, yeah, sustainability and how can we do things in a way like prioritize protein and vegetables, make sure you're eating well-balanced meals. Like I'm huge on blood sugar control. Katie, you and I have been talking about that offline. So yeah, doing things in a way that you know, promotes weight loss, but is not this like eat as little as you can cut out all these foods, you know, do hours of cardio and just really kind of run yourself into the ground. Marcy, if you want to feel diet culture offline, you need to stop shopping at Trader Joe's and go to a regular grocery store. That's what you're missing out on. You just go to a regular grocery store and look at those magazines. You're going to want to bash your head through the wall. I take pictures of them and share them on my story sometimes. And I always point them out to my daughter. I'm really big on talking to her about these messages. And so I will show her that that stupid woman's world magazine, like how that is still in production. Oh, I know. It's insane. Like those, and that's what I grew up reading that kind of stuff, ladies. (laughs) So it's so upsetting to me. Um, But yeah, if you want to see some diet culture messages, you're like, I don't know what people are saying. Go to the grocery store. (laughs) That's not Trader Joe's. To be fair, to be fair, Kim, (laughs) I go to the, I go to another grocery store all the time. It's the only place where I can find my kabocha squash. There you go. Look at the magazines. Okay. (laughs) I got to go later today. So I will. And I I have seen them. I definitely will be horrified. It's and I think for people to really, when you see those messages or messages in advertising, like when you see a box of cookies that says guilt-free stamped on them, like question those messages that you're receiving because they're everywhere out there. They're in mm-hmm. magazines, they're on your social media, they're just in conversation general, generally. And so questioning as you're receiving these messages, like 
oh, what does that mean to me? Like, do I believe that? Does that go, is that go along with my line of thinking? Is that in line with the people who I really trust to help me with weight loss? Would they say that, you know, when we're, when, whenever you see those messages, really questioning them. Oh, that's such a great point. And you know, going back to Trader Joe's, I do have some beef with them because they have certain products that is, I don't even remember exactly what they call them, but something along the lines of, you know, guilt-free, whatever it is. Um, I know there's something called like skinny almonds, there's skinny pop, mm-hmm. all of that stuff. Even LaCroix of all things, like yes. sparkling water. I was like, what, what does it say? Why? I just, I just noticed that recently. And I asked oh, my daughter, I, I'm like, has this always been here? And yes. she said, yes. What is it, Marcy? It's, um, it's like, it's no sugar, no sodium, no guilt. No, is that what no it is? Guilt. It's something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, Whoa, that's, that's crazy. I and just so, noticed that like two weeks ago. I'll, I'll admit too, like I am a, you know, ambassador for built bars and I think the bars are great. You know, they're decently high in protein and the ingredients aren't terrible. Um, but Kim and I are Kim, I remember you and I having this conversation, gosh, probably a year and a half ago, at least. Yeah. And you're like, I've got some beef with that, <laughs> with that bar, because on the label, it does say something about guilt-free. I don't remember exactly. Mm-hmm what it is, but yeah, it's still very prevalent, which is unfortunate because it's still sending a very misguided message to people that we have to either earn our food. Certain foods are good. They are bad. And, you know, going back to when I was getting started, it was the, I guess, early two thousands. And so I was reading magazines like muscle and fitness, hers, oxygen, some shape, but it was the clean eating. So this is clean. This is not clean. This is good. This is bad. And yeah, that messaging is very, not only like misguided, but, um, you know, dangerous in a sense. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I think it's really nice, Janie. I love that your message is all about alignment. And I think if we can sh- make this shift in our space where like the hustle is not with diet culture. The hustle is in the alignment. Like that's where the work is, right? Like the alignment almost precedes change, I think. And if you can work to find that, I think that will carry you through to, to your goals. Because like you said, it does, it does just always point the arrow right back to you and help you remember like what's important and to just stop being so distracted by all the, you know, the bullshit around us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe we just end it with, it's okay for you to want to pursue a certain aesthetic goal. Just make sure that it is one coming from the right place internally, Mm -hmm. and also that you are going about it in a way that is healthy and sustainable. So also doing the inner work at the same time so that you can hold whatever that result is that you desire for yourself. And Jamie, do you want to tell listeners where they can find you as well? Yeah, sure. Um, I finally just got my website redone after like four years. Um, so you can find me at jamiemorocco.com or just shoot me a message on Instagram. If you would like to chat and, and learn more, I post a lot of content on there. So yes, find me there. <laughs> and your feed is beautiful and magical. And like, I don't know if you have a photographer with you all the time, but whenever I see a picture of you, I'm like, oh, where is she? And then you're like, Florida. <laughs> like I feel like you're on like a magical planet when I look at your feed. 
so thank pretty. You so much. Thank you. And thank you ladies for having me. I really appreciate it. This is a great conversation. Oh, it was a Thanks pleasure, for my friend. Thank yes, you for thank coming. You. All right, ladies, catch you next time. All right. Bye. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Decades of Strength podcast. If you liked this, if it was helpful for you, it would mean the world to us if you left a rating and review wherever you're listening. It really does help our work get in front of more people. Thanks so much for being here with you and we'll see you again next week.